Hey, I want to tell you something. God is just speaking so rich and so strong through everything that He does here. Uh, I've been going back and trying to figure out Pastor Brian and Pastor Ben's messages and how God's tying things in. And I even went back, Sister Davida, to to your Mother's Day message, how inspiring God is being to His church family. And, and He's growing us. He's growing us numerically. He's growing us spiritually. And, and I just want to thank the Lord this morning for what He's doing. But do you ever get to the place where you just feel like maybe God's just forgotten something? And that's me. You ever get to where you feel like, what did I do to deserve this? You know, why am I being accused? Why am I being maligned? Why am I being attacked? Why, why am I having all these? Am I the only one sometimes has problems? I get to feeling that way. And then I read books and, you know, I see that good things happen to good people and bad things happen to good people. And, and I get thinking, well, I'm good people. I'm bad people. I'm having good. I'm having bad. And, and sometimes it just gets so overwhelming that I just want to say, ah, God, I don't care. I want to just give up. I'm tired of, I'm tired of the rat race. I'm tired of the fight. And, and I'm getting wearied. And I'm in well-doing and I'm still getting wearied. I'm... I'm I'm fulfilling the Bible. That's what I'm doing. But this week, as I was just kind of preparing, and I really had Sunday morning from Isaiah 54, and God began to speak to me about the welfare of the kingdom. I never saw this in the light that God showed me this this week. I preach when, when uh, well, let me read you the scripture. 1 Samuel chapter 17 I'm going to give you two verses of it. You can go back and read this story if you need to refresh yourself. But the Bible said, And Eliab, the eldest brother, heard when he spake unto the men, and Eliab's anger was kindled against David. And he said, Why camest thou down hither? And with whom hast thou left those few sheep in the wilderness? I know thy pride and the naughtiness of thy heart, for thou art come down that thou mightest see the battle. And David said, What have I now done? Is there not a cause? I have preached a message to you, Is there not a cause? But I missed some things when I preached it. And this week, as God began to speak to me about the affairs of the kingdom, He began to talk to me about the welfare of the kingdom. Now, if you know the story, you know that for 40 days and 40 nights, the army of Israel has been defied by a giant called Goliath of the Philistines. Now, Goliath is a huge giant. And if you, if you do everybody's study on all of it, you'll, you'll be so confused at how tall he really was. Because some got him, you know, 11 feet tall. Some got him 9. If you look at his armor, some of them get you really wrapped up. Because I read one where the, his spear, the... Just the head on the spear would have weighed 15 pounds, the size of a, or the weight of a shot put that you throw, you men throw in, in shot putting in the Olympics. But I, 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 I thought, God, there's deeper things here than the condition and the size of this giant. When David said, Is there not a cause? I believe what he's saying is there's something happening against God. The welfare of the kingdom is at stake. You see, David had already been anointed king of Israel. He'd already gone and, 
and uh, come from the come from the backfield where the sheep were, and Jesse's sons are all standing out there with with Samuel to anoint who's going to be king. And Eliab is the first one because he's the eldest. He's been overlooked because God said He was looking at the condition of the heart. And so when Samuel saw uh, saw David, he knew that David was the one that God had anointed to be king. So he's, been a, he's already been anointed to be king. Has nothing to do with his battle, though, of the giant. Because Jesse has told David, go over to the battlefield, see how your brothers are doing. Come back, give me a report. But you take some, some food over there to feed them for encouragement. You encourage them while you're over there. When David gets over there, he hears men talking about if somebody could just really take this giant out, there's a great bounty King Saul's going to give somebody his daughter and he's going to make somebody wealthy. If they'll just kill this giant, take care of him. David, the Bible describes him as a ruddy young man. He's not, he's not matured. He's young. I don't know if he's probably a teenager still, but he's young. He's never been to battle before except for the time that he battled a, a bear and a lion while he was taking care of the sheep. You see, God had prepared him for the battlefield that he was about to face. Now I want to say this to you this morning. I want you to get what I'm saying to you. All the things that you have gone through and all the things that you are going through are preparation. Are you hearing me? They're preparation for what's ahead of you. There's a giant that you're about to face or you're already facing in your life. And the welfare of the kingdom is at stake. God's reputation is at stake. If you're sick in your body, God's reputation is at stake because He said that Jesus bore stripes for your healing. If you're struggling in your finances, God's reputation is at stake because He said that He would supply all of your need according to His riches and glory by Christ Jesus. If you are not saved, the kingdom's reputation is at stake because Jesus Christ came and, and Paul said, whosoever calls upon the name of the Lord, or Jesus said, whosoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Paul said, if you confess the Lord Jesus with your mouth, believe in your heart, God raised Him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. So the kingdom is at stake today. And the reputation of God is at stake. Well, David goes and, and, and his first opposition, as you've seen, is Eliab. He's got a problem. His brother is envious and jealous. Now, some scholars can't even see that. The Bible said his anger was kindled against David. And he even made a statement about David's few sheep. You know, this is bigger than, than anything, David, you've ever faced, son. You don't know what you're up against. We've been out here listening to this giant. He's been calling for a man to come over. And, and really, he's been challenging us because he said that if a man would come over, whoever won the battle would be in charge of the kingdom. Did you hear what I said to you? Whoever won the battle would be in charge of the kingdom. So if the, if the giant wins, the Philistines are in charge of the kingdom. If a man from Israel comes over, then Israel will be in charge of the kingdom. God's reputation was at stake from the very get-go of the battle against the giant. And the giant said, let a man come over here. Of course, the giant also told him what he's going to do to the one that came over there. I thought about something. Maybe you've never thought about it. But on Calvary, there was a giant, a devil. And he thought that by taking the life of an innocent, sinless man, 
that he would destroy the reputation of the kingdom. But do you ever, you ever wonder why the Bible said that Jesus made a show of him openly? Because the kingdom was at stake. It's reputation. God could not let a devil. The Bible said had the enemy, had the devil known, had they known what would happen, Jesus would have never been put to death. Amen. The kingdom was at stake. And God's reputation was on the line. So the very first opposition that came against David was his brother Eliab. Do you ever wonder why someone close to you seems to create more problems in your life? And anybody else? Think about it for a minute. Sometimes people are jealous of you. Sometimes the enemy uses other people against you. People, close friends. People that you have a, really a bond with. Even in a marriage, sometimes your partner will dig deep into your spirit by the comments they make about you. I've had people say, oh, and you're supposed to be a preacher. That's a real slap in the face. Ah, oh, you're really not a man of God. I've had the devil tell me he was going to kill me. I've had a man come to me and said, you have to shut up for 88 days. God said, you, you can't even talk to your wife. You can't even go home. You have to stay here at the church. 88 days, God silenced you. And I said, listen, if God silenced me, he'll just kill me. Because I ain't going to shut up because he's called me to preach. I ain't let a devil talk me out of the kingdom's reputation. I don't care who close to you tells you, if God has given you direction, your father has sent you. David's father, Jesse, had sent him, but God his Father had sent him out there because the reputation of the kingdom was online. And so he faced opposition from within. Do you know, as he goes over to Saul, you may not see this, Saul favors David going out. He doesn't care this kid goes out there and gets killed. He just, he just doesn't care. He can sacrifice him. But you know something? He tried to discouraged David by giving David armor that he couldn't wear. Opposition came even from somebody that said they favored him. We're going to give you, we're going to give you this armor. You're going to be able to go up there. And, and David said it just doesn't fit. It's not, it's not what, I, you know, what I, I'm used to. It's not what I've used before. I can't use this. Now you know what David's weapon does was, don't you? Most of you probably do. Some of you may not. He had a sling, and he needed some rocks. Now, you know, when, when you think about this, and I preached this to you in the past about David's brother, our glass brothers. When David went out, the Bible said he picked up five smooth stones from the brook. Now, the very first thing you can think is he's afraid he might miss. No, he wasn't afraid he was going to miss. David knew that Goliath had four more brothers. And if you study the scriptures out, you'll find that either David personally killed or his men killed every one of Goliath's brothers. It's in there. It's easy to find. Five giants were killed by David or David's men, David's army. Now, here's what God spoke to me. Just because you have faced this giant that you're facing and you've won 
doesn't mean it's time to relax. There has to be preparation for the next giant. And if you don't take something with you in preparation, you will be defeated that next battle. I'll tell you the very first thing that I found myself doing as a young Christian, I'd overcome something and then I would just relax. Do you know, the Bible teaches us, Paul teaches us, put on the whole armor of God. You've got to continually guard yourself against an enemy that's going to come in. I've watched families come under an attack. And God bring them great victory and they go right out and they fall right back under the same opposition that they faced before and they yield to that opposition. You see, what I found out happens is when you help people and they get out of financial struggles, they don't learn. They get rid of all their credit cards They pay them off, and then they get more credit cards, and they go deeper in than they've ever been. They didn't learn their lesson. They file bankruptcy, and and the bankruptcy court clears them. And they they start regaining their credit, and they go right back again to a bankruptcy court that's not going to let them declare bankruptcy again for 10 years because they didn't learn. We have problems with people with, with, with marriage problems. They come in for counseling. God just supernaturally restores their marriage. And the next thing you know, they go right back and they fall into the same old patterns. People come and they give their life to Jesus. I've watched dozens upon dozens of people come and share that they've confessed Jesus as their Lord and Savior. They get real relaxed because they're, they're, you know, they're winning and they won the battle against sin and they fall right back into the same temptation and they yield to it again year after year every day of their life. And this morning, many of them are not serving God because another battle came and they weren't prepared for it. You see, with every battle, there is a warning that comes with it. We had a a young man, his last name was Moses, that came to church with us. And he was, at at Eglin, he was in a program where he kind of looked at hot spots around the world. This is back in the, in the, in the 90s, mid-90s. He told me at that time there were 39 hot spots in the world. It's probably 150, 200 now. Hot spots in the world. People are watching. We have people watching these nations, watching what they're doing to, to alert us if something is going, going crazy. We need to know about something we need to watch. We're watching financial markets. We're watching the military uh, armaments that they're buying and purchasing. We're always on guard. You'll hear our nation say, we've, we've sanctioned, we've cut, off, we've cut off this nation because they were buying supplies and weapons. You know, they're, they're building up an armament. And so we watch these places because we're always trying to prepare for the next battle. Now, some of us in America would just love for the, our nation to just quit minding everybody else's business and just entertain our own borders. If we do that, we will become a nation that's destroyed from within. It's bad enough now. We've let enough infiltration come into this country that our country has become polluted with, with people with radical ideas about people's opportunities in life that we've been given by the forefathers that gave us a right to decide what we wanted. We're going to be mandated by people now that have the wrong motives in mind because we've let from without come in. So it's important for us to watch and prepare for that next battle. So David picks up five stones and he goes to the front of the battlefield. 
So he's faced opposition from his brother. He's really faced opposition from, from, uh, from Saul himself by giving him the wrong armor. Now he's faced with opposition of knowing that there's another giant besides this giant. See, I've got to go out today and I've got to win this battle. And then I'm looking tomorrow at another opportunity to stand for the, for the kingdom of God and to keep the enemy beat out and, and the welfare of the kingdom's at stake. You know, uh, I, don't know I don't know if you, if you do this. Uh, I've been a father since, really since 1973. Uh, I've been a father. And I've always, I've always, when the kids were at home, I've always had responsibility of the Cadenhead household. That's, that's my responsibility. I'm the man of the house. It's my responsibility. Now I've struggled. At times mothers didn't want me to, didn't want me to be in charge of the kingdom. That's just natural process of being married and raising a family. There's times that teachers at school didn't want me to be in charge of the kingdom, of the Cadenhead clan. And so I've had to clash. There's been times that outsiders have come in, but it's my job to protect my family. There's times that I said, no, my kids were angry with me. There's times I said, no, my spouse would be angry with me. There's times I said, no, and friends would be angry with me. There's times I said, no, and teachers have been angry with me. I've been to the school and challenged them on things before. They didn't like that. But listen, it's my job to take care of that household. I'm the same way about pastoring the church. There's times that I do things and make decisions people don't like. But there's one thing that has motive in every decision that I try to make concerning this church. And that is the welfare of the kingdom. You see, in my daily walk with Christ, everything that I face, I have to consider the welfare of the kingdom in my own personal life. How is this going to benefit God? How is this going to hurt the kingdom? What's going to happen if I allow this? What's going to happen if I don't allow it? You know, sometimes you say no and sometimes you say yes, I embrace that. Because you're always aware of the reputation of the kingdom. So I'm continually picking up smooth stones out of the brook. I'm continually preparing for that next battle. I'm not letting my guard down. All the armor I have on is a forefrontal armor. I have no covering on my backside. And so I have to always be engaging the enemy. I don't stand and wait on the enemy. I engage the enemy. When the enemy comes, I try to engage him. I try to meet him head on. Because I don't want him to get an opportunity to cross come around behind me and catch me and and pin me in. So I'm always confident of that. Now there's times that you pray and there's times that you do like David did when he waited for the sound in the mulberry trees. There's times you wait on God. You know, just because you see an enemy that doesn't mean you go engage it. You, You pray and you ask God. Even if the last time you engaged, God told you to engage. This time God may say, wait. David had engaged before. Then he goes down and God said, wait till you heal the rust in the mulberry trees. There's an important part of that. You'll learn if you'll study the scriptures. But why do, we, why do we always have to be picking up stones, Pastor? Because there's another battle lies ahead. But here's what I like about it. There's two things I like. First of all, the Lord said the battle's not yours. And the second thing I love about Scripture is the Bible says, and we'll get to this tonight, no weapon formed against you will prosper. So whatever the enemy is doing when he's coming to the welfare of the kingdom, God always has your protective side. He's always guarding, always guiding, always leading. And that's the part of the Holy Spirit. Someone said to me this morning, you know, we need to make sure these people are aware uh, of situations. You know, they don't maybe know. They don't maybe know that things are happening. Listen to me. God said the Holy Spirit would lead and guide us into all truth. Some of you are young Christians. 
Some of you have never been taught the Word of God before. We're, we're right now looking at maybe producing a new beginner's class. We're going to bring you into that new beginner's class. We're going to teach you the principles of God's Word, the basic fundamentals of God's Word. We're going to teach you. And we're going to, we're going to bring you through that whatever 13-week study. We're going to bring you through the same thing I had in 1974 when I got saved. We're going to put you back through it. It didn't kill me. It encouraged me and it excited me about my stand for Christ. We were taught to pray. We were taught to fast, we were taught to give alms. We were taught to tithe. We're going to teach you those principles. We're going to show you from the Word of God, these things really will work. Really will work. Now it's going to take something on your part and it's that preparation part. Some of you don't come to Sunday school. We'll teach it on Sunday mornings during the Sunday school hour. So if you don't come to Sunday school, you're not going to get this new beginner's class. So you're going to have to make an effort. You're going to have to get your kids up it means our teachers going to have more kids in their class and you're going to have to come. If you don't have kids, you're going to have to get yourself up and come. Someone sent me a text that said, I'm going to try to be there next Sunday morning. I'm going to try to get up early enough to be there next Sunday morning. Well, you know, if you go to sleep, if you go to sleep, is Marco gone out of here? Marco said this morning he's tired. He went to bed at 9 o'clock last night. How much sleep does it take? You know, after a while you need to get up. So you have to make preparations. You have, to, you have to get up. You have to do something. You can't just sit. Some of us have come to the point where we want somebody else. Bring me my coffee. I had a friend. His mama shaved his daddy every morning. I would have cut his throat. I would have. I would have cut his throat. And it would have been probably an accident. But I would have cut him deep enough that they'd have said it was intentional. Come and wash my feet. You know, if Karen wants me to wash our feet, we're, we're going to be romantic. We're not, I'm just not going to come wash her feet sake of washing her feet if she can wash them herself. I mean, come on. Brush my teeth. I, you brush your own teeth. Now, if you want to brush mine, I'll take them out and hand them to you and you can brush them. <laughs> See, Karen never lines up to brush my teeth. She leaves me alone. But I'm saying to you, sometimes you have to prepare for the next battle. And then David goes out on the battlefield and what does he face? He faces a giant. He faces a giant. Opportunity is there for the kingdom. All of the army of Israel, all of the Philistines are standing there watching. They've been out there eating sandwiches and watching for 40 days, folks. Nothing has happened. There's a big, big bully out there that's run his mouth and told them all what he's going to do. I'm going to eat you up. I'm going to throw you away. Boy, you ain't nothing. You better not come out here. And David said this. He said, you come to me with a sword and a spear and a shield. But I come to you in the name of the God of the armies of Israel. And this day, this day, I'm going to take your head off. David's got a sling and a, and a stone. Now, the thing that always intrigued me is how he's going to take his head off. With his own sword. He's going to go over there and take Goliath's sword and cut his head off after he kills him. But, but when you start thinking about it, facing opposition, the giant that you're facing today. I've been there when they opened the gate and they backed the truck up. And they hooked to the back of the car. And they pulled it out of my driveway. 
I've been there when there was no power at my house. I've been there when the water has been shut off. I've been there when they said we want a divorce. I've been there when all the, all the anxiety, all the pains of the world, even death itself looked you in the face. I've been there. I know what it is to face a giant. But God is faithful who always causes me to triumph through Christ Jesus. Stay the course. You've been preparing for this battle that's coming. You got your stones in your little bag and you're ready for whatever comes against you because you're coming in the name of the God of the armies of Israel. You see, where I can't win a battle, Jesus can. And the battle doesn't belong to me. It belongs to God. Then I don't have a battle to fight. God may use my sling and God may use that smooth stone that I picked up. God may use a scripture that I've learned. A scripture that I've learned. It said, Satan, I bind you in the name of Jesus because Jesus said, whatsoever is bound in earth will be bound in heaven. It may be a point where something needs to come into my life. And I learned that scripture that said, not only do I bind things, but Jesus said, whatsoever you loose in earth would be loosed in heaven. I loose this blessing today, God. Devil, I come to you in the name of Jesus. Jesus gave you His name to use. Jesus gave you His blood to use. You have a riot. You, you have a power of attorney in the name of Jesus to write. Is Jensen in here? He's back there. We, we went to an attorney. Because Jensen, you know, he's legal age now. I mean, you know, and, and we went to an attorney. Now, Jensen doesn't know all this, but, you know, we got, uh, we got a surrogate. Is it a surrogate? Health surrogate. What is it? Health care surrogate. We are. For him, if something happens to him, we can make decisions about his, about his care. You know, if we're going to life support him or not life support him. But we also got a power of attorney. We can, if he gets some credit, Mom and I go down and write a check mm-hmm. and use his name because he gave us power of attorney. Now, the only thing that nullifies that power of attorney is him going down changing it, which if he didn't know about it, he couldn't change it. So I just told him. Or he's got to die. The beautiful part about Jesus is the power of attorney came in effect when he did die. Because he said, now you can use my name and you can just go down there and take care of it with my name because I've given you the authority. Remember the other day when we preached to you, Jesus said, no longer call you a servant, now call your friend because you're my friend. You can ask the Father what you will and he'll give it to you. Jesus has made provision for you. And all you have to do now is to go down and for the welfare of the kingdom, use the name of Jesus. So the weapons that have been formed against you, the giants that are standing in your life, cannot overcome the fact that you belong to Jesus Christ. And if you're in this room this morning, or if you're listening to this message, and you don't know Jesus, you don't have any rights at all to the kingdom. But if you're a child of God, born into the family of God, 
repented of your sins, ask Christ to forgive you, come into your life, believe the blood of Jesus has covered all your sins, you've confessed Him with your mouth, you believe that God raised Him dead, you called Him on the name of the Lord, you've done all these things and you truly have done them, not just for the sake of having possessions in the kingdom. See, David had more involved in this thing than just getting possession from King Saul. That was good. He's going to get that. That's his promise. All the things that God's going to do for you are just an icing on the cake. But to be able to win the battle for the kingdom, that's the important thing. See, I, I, I never wanted to do a lot to discredit my father's name. Some of you, some of you didn't do that. I didn't do things that other kids did because my dad's reputation was at stake. Are you hearing what I'm saying to you this morning? When I got saved, my father's reputation was at stake. I didn't want to do the things that other people did. Or if I wanted to do them, I didn't do them because of my father's reputation. See, God's reputation is at stake in your life. He's invested very, very heavily into your life by giving His life for you. And listen to me. Some people won't tell you this. God's expecting you to invest back into His life by living your life as a, as a, a witness. Jesus said we're a light that's set on a hill. He said we could glorify our Father by our good works. Things that we do have a, have a tendency to either taint the reputation or increase the reputation of our Heavenly Father. That's just the way it is, folks. We live our lives and we make mistakes and we, we fail God and we sin. We do all the things that, that we ought not do. I understand that. I don't want you to leave here thinking everybody in this room but you is perfect because that is not true. There's... There's not one of these rascals in here that's perfect. Not one of us is perfect. Sister Karen will tell you that I'm always very sweet. I'm always very kind. I'm always very patient. Most of the time. <laughs> but not all the time. I'm always generous. Always. <laughs> no. I skimp on her. I skimp on her. I got money she doesn't know I've got. Because I'm saving it for the reputation of the kingdom. Do you hear what I said to you? I'm saving some for the reputation of the kingdom. Because I'm, I, I've invested in the kingdom. How many of you have invested? Have you invested in the kingdom? Come on, tell me. Have you, have you invested in the kingdom? Don't you think it's a good thing that since we've invested in the kingdom that we're concerned about the welfare of the kingdom? How much land you got over there? 20, 27 and a half acres? Uh, about an acre. About an acre. You own it free and clear? Yeah. You invested in, in old Martin's kingdom over there. <laughs> now listen, what goes on on that acre lot is yours. Somebody comes over there and encroach on that acre lot. Some surveyor comes out there and moves that survey stake about 25 feet that way. Old Martin's going to be upset. Because somebody's come into the he Martin Kingdom. He, he better mow it if he's going to come over there. <laughs> Listen, God has a tendency to be very envious of His kingdom. I, maybe you don't know this. God loves His kingdom. Yes, he, he loves it. 
You're a part of God's kingdom. You may not ever thought about that, but you are a part of the investment God's made. Matter of fact, most of the investment He's made, He's made for you. Either in this life or in the life to come. And we need to understand that the reputation of that kingdom is at stake. The welfare of the kingdom. And through this life, we're going to have opposition. That doesn't mean the kingdom stops. I've had people say, well, I ain't going to church because somebody hurt my feelings. Here's what I say to people. I say this all the time. What did Jesus ever do to you that was bad? Every good and every perfect gift comes from God. What has God ever done to any of you? Could, could you tell me why you would reject God today? What has He ever done to cause you to reject Him? All He's done is loved you and cared for you and saw about you. And even while you were a stinker, He's loved you. When I didn't, He did love you. And when I don't, He does. When I'm not pleased with you, He may displease with you, but He doesn't disinherit you. He doesn't throw you aside, say, you don't belong to me. We make a decision of what we're going to do for the sake of the kingdom and the welfare of the kingdom. It's in our, it's in our hands what we do with it. Just because bad things happen in our life don't mean we give up on the kingdom. Just because everybody... <laughs> Some of my friends don't understand this. I used to say to, to the church family, I haven't said it in a long time, so some of you, this will be a brand new, brand new saying to you. Hell or high water, I'm still going to serve Jesus. Doesn't, doesn't matter what she does. Doesn't matter what you do. The whole church this morning can get up and walk out of here and backslide. I'm still going to live for Jesus. I'm going to be hunting me somebody new to share the gospel with of Jesus Christ. I, I've told people before, it, a lady said to me, Pastor Donnie, I believe if you'd come over there, I believe. I believe Billy would get saved. I believe if you'd come over, he'd get saved. And I said, listen to me. If Billy's counting on me to come on the front porch and save him, he can die and go to hell. Whew. Pastor Donnie. I said, your daddy was a preacher. Your husband married you and your daddy married y'all. He knows right from wrong. Me sitting on your front porch is not going to make him come to church. I've encouraged him. I've, I've loved him. I, I've helped him. I'm not going to spend all my time over there on your front porch trying to save somebody that knows right and wrong when i got somebody else over here that I can lead to Jesus. I'm not going to spend all my time over here with him. I tell people I'm not going to keep fighting fires that I can't do anything about. Just let them burn. I don't care. Burn the house down. I don't care. I'm going to serve Jesus and I'm going to try to get everybody I can to serve Jesus. Because the welfare of the kingdom is at stake. I don't care how big the giant is. You know one thing that maybe some of you have not got the revelation? Do you know where the giants came from? Does anybody in the room, don't tell me if you know. Does anybody in the room, raise your hand if you know where the giants came from. The demon spirits had relationship with heathen women and they produced the giants. The reason the giants were in the land was because of the devil. That giant was the devil in disguise of a man named Goliath. Your giant is nothing more than an attack from the devil. The Bible says greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. 
You have a Jesus that's bigger than any devil, any giant that you are facing or you will ever face. God is greater than that giant. You come to me with a sword and a spirit and a shield. But I come to you in the name of the God of the armies of Israel. 